Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. This expression is attributed to the famous American showman P.T. Barnum, and we really ought to adopt it as our tagline for our current season. There's a sucker born every minute. In this episode, we're talking about con artists who swindled people into buying some really famous landmarks. George C. Parker sold the Brooklyn Bridge. Among Victor Lustig's most audacious scams was when he sold the Eiffel Tower. And a man known as Natwarlal made a name for himself selling the Taj Mahal, the Red Fort, and other famous landmarks in India. So let's talk about how each of these guys dipped a toe into real estate. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Trimarki. And I'm Holly Fry. George C. Parker, as it turns out, was born first of these men, so we're going to talk about him first. New York City has long attracted people dreaming of opportunity, right? the American dream. Among them, though, there have always been criminals looking for an opportunity to prey on unsuspecting tourists, those new to the country or the city, and even gullible New Yorkers. Parker was a native New Yorker, born in 1860 to Irish immigrant parents. He built his confidence career fleecing those who had newly immigrated to America in the late 1800s and early 1900s. At that time, millions of people were entering the United States through what was nicknamed the Golden Door, a.k.a. Ellis Island. 
in New York Harbor between New York and New Jersey. The New York Times noted, quote, The Brooklyn Bridge has several attributes that made it particularly well-suited for this sort of endeavor, and that endeavor we mean being sold by con men. To continue the quote, its proximity to the port made it highly visible to newcomers who might be likely marks, and its size provided opportunities to show it off while avoiding the law. But perhaps most critical was its considerable fame. According to Kathleen Holser, former public historian at the New York Historical Society, quote, In the 19th century, the Brooklyn Bridge was one of the two best-known symbols of America. The other? The Statue of Liberty. They were perfect targets for opportunistic con artists like Parker. The Brooklyn Bridge is a hybrid cable-stayed suspension bridge, and it spans the East River between the boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn. It was completed in 1883, and it's believed Parker likely started his con very soon thereafter. Because both Manhattan and Brooklyn claimed ownership of the bridge, there was a little opportunity there for con artists to shimmy their way in and take advantage of the situation, because it allowed people to question who the real owner actually was. Parker's setup was relatively simple. Watch for marks, choose a victim, sell a bridge. Some versions of the story claim that he told buyers that while he enjoyed building bridges, their operation was just too stressful for him. He claimed it had recently been approved for tolls and that its new owner could make a fortune charging people access to the bridge. Easy enough, right? Easier, in fact, than you might imagine. Historians know that he sold the bridge multiple times, but Parker claimed that he sold the bridge at least twice a week for many years. Look, he may have exaggerated that. It's really hard to verify as we are talking about a con artist. It's not as though he kept records of each fraudulent sale. He earned as much as $5,000 on one sale, and he's known to have asked as much as $50,000 depending on the mark. But he'd also settle for 50 bucks if that's all you had. In some accounts of how he ran his con, it's said that Parker chose his marks by currying favor, probably in the form of cash bribes, with several ferry operators who brought people from Ellis Island to Manhattan. So the ferry operators in Parker's pocket were asked to keep an eye on who among their passengers might be carrying a large amount of cash, and then to let Parker know of any marks of note. According to crime reporter and author Carl Safakis, who tells Parker's story in the book Hoaxes and Scams, a compendium of deceptions, ruses, and swindles, on some occasions, quote, Parker's victims had to be rousted from the bridge by police when they tried to erect toll barriers. Things got so bad that eventually, processors at Ellis Island were instructed to give informational cards to new arrivals warning them, quote, you cannot buy public buildings or streets. But remember, many of Parker's targets were new to America, and most wouldn't have known those laws yet. During his career, Parker had a sizable confidence portfolio. He had also had success selling other landmarks he didn't own, including the Statue of Liberty, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and Grant's tomb. In that instance, he feigned to be the general's grandson. Some historians claim that he also sold at least three Broadway theaters, as well as Battery Park in Lower Manhattan. 
He took this game seriously, and he produced well-forged documents as proof that he was the owner of each of these landmarks he was trying to sell. He also set up fake offices where he and his marks could conduct business. Parker's known to have used at least six pseudonyms, including James J. O'Brien, Warden Kennedy, Mr. Roberts, and Mr. Taylor, according to the Olean Evening News coverage of his cons. A William McClundy, known as I.O.U. O'Brien, is also known to have sold the bridge. He was arrested and, according to a report in the New York Times, was convicted of grand larceny and served two and a half years in Sing Sing. As it turns out, that was Parker under an alias. And in this case, he'd been pinched selling the landmark to a Max Schmeier. On December 17, 1928, Parker was arrested after selling the bridge to a Midwestern butter and egg man. That's American slang from the 1920s, meaning a prosperous but naive businessman. The businessman put $1,000 down with a plan to pay Parker another $4,000 across quarterly installments. While most victims paid in cash, Parker, it seems from time to time, allowed for a little bit of flexibility when it came to taking your money. After all, he understood bridges were expensive. Historians think this may have been Parker's most noteworthy bridge sale. He was convicted by County Judge Alonso G. McLaughlin of Brooklyn and sentenced to life at Sing Sing Prison at Austin, New York, a prison known in its history for its harsh conditions and punishments, prisoner escapes, and for its exceedingly high volume of executions. If life in prison sounds like a long sentence for selling the Brooklyn Bridge, it was, but we'll talk about why that is in just a minute. Sing Sing was not new to Parker. He had previously served two sentences there, one for selling Madison Square Garden to a tourist from the Southwest, and the other incident that we mentioned earlier, selling the Brooklyn Bridge to Max Schmeier. He had been arrested many times for larceny, forgery, and fraud, but he wasn't always convicted or incarcerated. It wasn't real estate fraud and conning tourists and new Americans into buying landmarks in the city that got Parker life in prison. It was a $150 check that bounced. According to trial coverage published by the Olean Evening Times, the check, quote, bounced back with startling elasticity. Legally, you can face criminal check fraud charges if you knowingly cash a bad check. Parker pleaded guilty to grand larceny in the second degree. Of his trial, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle reported Parker was, quote, a little despondent and offered no fight when Assistant District Attorney William Kleinman prosecuted him on a charge of having cashed a worthless $150 check. As a career criminal, Parker found himself up against new anti-crime legislation, specifically Bohm's Law. The statute was adopted by New York State in 1926. That's within just two years of his sentencing. It was that new of a law. Laws like it are popularly known as the three strikes and you're out law. It was meant to keep habitual offenders off the streets and stated mandatory life imprisonment sentences for a fourth felony conviction, regardless of the severity of that fourth crime. Parker died at Sing Sing not for his bogus real estate deals, but for cashing a bad check. The Brooklyn Bridge swindle fell out of favor among con artists after the 1920s. 
as more people had heard of the fraud and were less naive to the offer. Parker's infamy, though, lives on in a popular American phrase you are likely familiar with. If you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. It's a way of expressing that the addressee is a gullible person. In the 1947 movie It Happened in Brooklyn, Frank Sinatra, in character as a young private home from World War II, sings to the woman he loves, quote, Don't let no one tell you I've been trying to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. In the 1949 Mary Melody's cartoon short titled Bowery Bugs, an old man agrees to buy the bridge from Bugs Bunny, and that is a callback to Parker. Parker might have been the most famous bridge seller, but he's not the only one who's done so. According to J. Robert Nash, author of Hustlers and Con Men, An Anecdotal History of the Confidence Man and His Games, an elderly swindler named Joseph Yellow Kid Wilde claimed to have known several swindlers who'd sold the Brooklyn Bridge, including Charles and Fred Gondorf and Reed C. Waddle. Waddle happens to be a criminal we talked about earlier this season, though, not about his bridge salesmanship. Says Nash of his interview with Weil, quote, the Gondorfs sold the bridge many times. They would sell it for two, three hundred dollars, up to one thousand. Once they sold half the bridge for two fifty because the mark didn't have enough cash. And there were plenty of marks, according to Luke Somp, author of the book Low Life, Lures and Snares of Old New York. He writes, quote, the oddity of the thing today is not that there might have been con artists ready to sell the bridge but that there would have been suckers both gullible enough and sufficiently well-heeled to fall for it. It does still happen in the 21st century. According to the New York Daily News, as recently as 2006, quote, someone sold pieces of the Brooklyn Bridge for $14.95, along with a certificate of authenticity to prove that the lumber was from the bridge, and the scammer received thousands of orders. Before we move along to our next landmark sale, which is a story of deception and scrap metal, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. When we're back, we'll talk about the person who sold the Eiffel Tower. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their Brilliant Eye Brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. 
It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's meet the witty and wily Victor Lustig. Writes author Carl Safakis, in this time in American history, purchasing these landmarks meant that, quote, buyers had become real people of substance, great capitalists. All great monuments will have swindles built around them. The appeal is to own a piece of the rock. America, though, wasn't the only place you could go to get conned into buying a famous landmark. So let's jump to Europe. Victor Lustig was born in the Austria-Hungarian town of Hostine on January 4, 1890, the region we know today as Czechia. He self-styled as Count Victor Lustig, but he was known to use dozens of aliases. He had always maintained that he came from a long-standing aristocratic family who owned European castles although documents discovered after his death suggest that the Count came from much more humble beginnings. Lustig was a counterfeiter, a fraudster, and a hustler. According to True Detective Mysteries magazine, he could make a deck of cards, quote, do everything but talk. He's been described as an elegant scoundrel, whose biggest con may have been a so-called money box that could allegedly print 
flawless $100 bills. Of course, we mean fake bills. He famously swindled Chicago crime boss Al Capone. He was fluent in several languages, had a charming, witty intellect, and is said to have been one of those people who has an innate understanding of human psychology. And he'd been swindling people out of money and property for years. By 1925, Lustig, in his mid-30s, had been arrested more than 40 times in the United States alone and was wanted by law enforcement agencies around the world. United States Secret Service agents once described him as elusive as a puff of cigarette smoke and as charming as a young girl's dream. It was in 1925 when he decided it was time to sell the Eiffel Tower, and that's the part of his career we're here to talk about. So this is the story of Lustig and his Eiffel Tower con. He came up with the idea in May of 1925 after reading an article in a Parisian newspaper about the decaying condition of the Eiffel Tower. A passing comment in the article mentioned how the French government had considered that it might be cheaper to tear down the structure than to fix it. And Lustig saw opportunity in that when most of us probably would have just continued reading. He kicked off his new swindle by purchasing stationery. He had counterfeit government stationery printed with his name and title listed as Deputy Director General of the Ministère de Postes et Télégraphes, so the Ministry of Posts and Telegraphs. And he checked into the prestigious Hôtel de Crillon, presented himself in that Deputy Director General role, and then he wrote to five of the most prominent scrap iron dealers in the city, using, of course, his fancy new letterhead. His correspondence was a bit vague, but intentionally so, and he invited each of the five dealers to meet with him to discuss an urgent matter. The letters he'd sent looked and sounded official, and each dealer took the bait. Lustig told the men there were plans for the Eiffel Tower to be dismantled because of the astronomical upkeep expenses on top of falling attendance numbers. It was his job to oversee its disposal, and he was taking bids for the resulting 7,000 tons of metal. He explained that, quote, because of engineering faults, costly repairs, and political problems I cannot discuss, the tearing down of the Eiffel Tower has become mandatory. He pushed as part of his sales pitch that the tower wasn't a monument. It had been built simply as an entrance to the 1889 World's Fair and was never meant to be a permanent structure. He's right that it had been built for the Universal Exposition of 1889, but Alexander Gustav Eiffel, the engineer who designed it, built it to last. Lustig really gave a performance in this pitch, and he even quoted writer Guy de Maupassant, who said, quote, What will be thought of our generation if we do not smash this lanky pyramid? And he reminded the group that because this was a controversial removal, of course, they should be discreet. All five men submitted bids. Lustig, however, had already chosen his mark, a dealer named André Poisson. There was definitely some gold star con artistry at work here. During the business talks before the bidding, André had told Lustig that his wife had become suspicious of what she felt was Lustig's secretive nature about the scrap metal. The professional scammer immediately knew this was his victim, and he smooth-talked his way into a fortune. 
he admitted to his mark that he may have acted in such a manner because, well, as a government official, he made a low salary. You see, he'd intended to ask Andre for a kickback in return for favorable treatment that he would give him regarding the tower contract. There are a few different versions of that bribe request story, but regardless of which one you choose, Andre believed Lustig and he opened up his wallet. Lustig, pulling a brazen double fleece maneuver here, got the scrap dealer to pay what's been reported as $70,000 in bribe money to be the one chosen as the highest bidder in a fake deal for 7,000 tons of non-existent scrap metal. When Andre discovered that he'd lost money in a bid on metal that was not his, and he'd lost a fortune sweetening the deal in his favor with a sizable bribe, he didn't report the theft to authorities. And why not? It's actually a common problem, authorities say, today and throughout history. He was reportedly too humiliated to admit what had happened. Lustig, who'd left for Austria, was living lavishly off of Andre's cash, and he was keeping up with current headlines. Six months later, and never a word about the swindle in the press, Lustig confidently returned to Paris for another attempt at the scam with five different scrap iron dealers. Historians believe he pulled this con off more than once, maybe even more than twice. In 1935, Lustig was captured and arrested in the United States, but not for his Eiffel Tower swindle. It was due to his counterfeit banknote operation, a scam that had grown so large the press reported that the American government feared it could shake confidence in the country's economy. He pleaded guilty, and according to a writer for the New York Herald Tribune covering the trial, quote, His pale, lean face was a study, and his tapering white hands rested on the bar before the bench. Lustig was sentenced to 20 years at Alcatraz, a United States penitentiary about a mile offshore from San Francisco. Prison officials entered him as Robert V. Miller on his admittance paperwork. That's right, he was booked under one of his pseudonyms. In the end, no, Lustig didn't sell Alcatraz Island, although that would perfectly fit into his legend. He served 11 years there before dying from complications of pneumonia on March 11, 1947. On his death certificate, his occupation is listed as, quote, apprentice salesman. In a New York Times editorial, he was described as follows, quote, Instead of theatrical, he was always the reserved, dignified, noble man. The Milwaukee Journal described him as, quote, a storybook character. And in an interesting and really kind of wonderful manner before his death, Lustig wrote his own Ten Commandments for Aspiring Con Men. I mean, for really, for all of us, maybe. And among the advice on his list includes, quote, be a patient listener, never look bored, and never get drunk. We're going to take a break here for a little sponsor break. And when we're back, we'll talk about a confidence artist who is skilled at forgery, had a knack for breaking out of prison, and sold several of the most famous landmarks in India. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the monuments and landmarks that con artist Natwarlal sold around India during his criminal career. Victor Lustig boosted his reputation and con artist cred in the early 20th century when he successfully sold the Eiffel Tower. Thousands of miles away in India, a con artist using the alias Natwarlal was also busy selling real estate that did not belong to him. He sold landmarks and monuments, including the Taj Mahal. When he died, he was wanted in eight states for numerous crimes, and things add up, and he had collectively been sentenced to roughly 115 years of prison time, give or take a year in total. But also a brilliant escape artist, he hardly served any of that. He broke out of nine prisons that we know of. The actual number might be higher. In one example, he once escaped the Kanpur District Jail by borrowing a guard uniform, bribing guards with a suitcase of what would turn out to just be fake money and newspapers, and then just walked out the door. His real name was Mithilesh Kumar Srivastava, but he used more than 50 aliases and a number of disguises as well. 
He was possibly and likely a lawyer by study, but being a practicing confidence artist and criminal was his chosen career. He had his hands in all sorts of confidence games throughout his life, and he was known to be especially good at all of them. He did have a knack for forgery, and his first major crime was forging signatures to steal a thousand rupees. He said to have used those skills to cheat a number of prominent Indian industrialists. His first arrest came in 1937, but not for a con, for stealing nine tons of iron. He became, and is still considered, India's greatest con artist, and his famous acts include selling the Taj Mahal three times, selling the Red Fort twice, and selling the Rashtrapani Bhavan, but just the once, all to gullible foreigners. Some reports say he also once sold Parliament House, along with its 545 sitting members. A slippery con artist till the end. At age 84, a wheelchair-bound Natwarlal disappeared from authorities at the New Delhi Railway Station when he was being transferred from Kanpur to the All India Institutes of Medical Sciences, or AIIMS, for medical treatment. According to SHM Rizvi, jail superintendent of the Kanpur District Jail when Natwarlal was imprisoned at the time of the escape, quote, the last we saw of him was on June 24th, 1996. Often we find it's difficult to pin down our person of the hour's birth date and details of their childhood because things like that can get easily lost through history. Not while all we know was born in 1912 in Bangra village of Suwan district in Bihar, India. He was the eldest child with two younger brothers. His father was a station manager, and it's believed he grew up in a middle-class family, or perhaps a bit wealthier. He had two wives and one daughter. But where he fools us is in his death. And what we mean by that is that no one is exactly sure when he died. Ganga Prasad Srivastava, his brother, told the Hindustan Times that Midalesh had died, quote, in 1996. I personally cremated him in Ranchi, but don't remember the exact date. He had had all open cases against his brother dismissed, estimated to have been more than a hundred. While that seems like it should be an open and shut kind of thing, it wasn't. Adding confusion to Natwarlal's death, his lawyer, a man named Nandlal Jaiswal, filed a plea before a magistrate in Kanpur in 2009. 13 years after the con man's assumed death, stating that Mithilesh Kumar Srivastava, a.k.a. Natwarlal, had died on Saturday, July 25th, 2009. The lawyer called for the dismissal of any cases pending against him. Which one of these accounts is right? Authorities still aren't sure what the real answer is. Though not exactly a positive role model, and maybe not someone you'd invite to talk at career day, it said not Warlal's confident style was a Robin Hood style of swindling the rich and giving to the needy. And that style contributed to the legend he became in his hometown of Bangra. It's likely much of the lore around him is embellished, and it can be hard to tell what this man did and maybe didn't do. But let's face it, if we're talking about it here, he probably did the crime. But the details may have grown a bit over the years. You don't have to look far to see how his life story and mythology about him has become part of Indian culture. 
Inspired by him, Bollywood, for instance, has produced the movies Mr. Natwalal and Raja Natwalal, among others. His criminal legend also lives on today among confidence artists. Those who successfully pull off a well-played fraud get called Not Warlal. Aww, I'll drink to that. Kind of a strange little thing to be very quaint. Yes. So we have three guys, couple landmarks, and one drink. We do. They're not all going to be represented. I'm going to be frank with you. Lots of layers. Um, I did think about it for a minute, trying to do a big combo schmambo, and I was like, this is a mess. Right? It's one of those drinks with a lot of straws. (laughs) Not even that. It was just a lot of competing ideas and flavors, which sometimes can be fun, but I couldn't ever quite get to the bottom of it to make it work. I ended up going fairly simple. I liked the fact that all of these men sold landmarks, so I want to call this drink the landmark. And because the Brooklyn Bridge is the touchstone for a lot of, when you want to shorthand somebody doing this, it's always the Brooklyn Bridge. And so I wanted to do something based in New York mythology, and I thought, there is a cocktail called a Brooklyn, which is not what we're doing, (laughs) but we are doing a little play on the Manhattan which is a very yummy drink, but it's very spirit forward. And it involves a thing we don't use a lot on the show. I'm not sure we have ever done a rye whiskey cocktail before. So normally a Manhattan, it's a very simple drink. It's two ounces of rye and three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. And you stir that together and you, you have made a Manhattan. You serve it with a maraschino cherry or other cocktail cherry. So I wanted to make it a little bit different, though, because I wanted to convey that idea of, like, it seems like a really sweet deal <laughs> going for it. So I wanted to sweeten it up a little bit more than that. So for the landmark, you are going to take that two ounces of rye, just a quarter ounce of sweet vermouth, just a little kiss of sweet mm-hmm. vermouth. And then the other half ounce, we're going to go back to liqueur that we last used in our art heist season for the Dali drink, that is Liqueur 43, which is a beautiful yes. vanilla liqueur that you can just sip over ice if you're into that. And then it's just those. You're going to stir them together in a cocktail glass. This isn't when you shake. And then you will pour it either into a chilled glass or you can pour it over like a big ice cube. And then you garnish it with a beautiful, nice, dark cocktail cherry. Very spirit forward. But the idea there, especially if you're pouring it over ice, which I do personally recommend, is that it dilutes a bit more as you're drinking. It stops being quite as as rye heavy on the tongue. I really like the mocktail for this one because it's always a little tricky when you're doing something like this that is so, yes. here's your straight alcohol, ma'am. I, I did something kooky here. So in lieu of rye... What I did was I boiled a cup of water with about six or seven sage leaves that I had broken up. And then just for a little while, you don't want to go too far because sometimes any herb can get kind of weird and bitter if you let it sit too long. You just want to do that pretty quickly. I would only give it a couple minutes once it's reached a boil. And then you're going to take that and steep some some black tea in Mm -hmm. it. So you get like this interesting earthy flavor 
that kind of crisp, almost sharp flavor that herbs can impart on top of that black tea. And it's not a duplicate of a rye whiskey, but it's its own interesting thing that feels the same to me. And then, in obviously, sweet vermouth and liqueur 43, also both alcoholic. So you are going to take a grape juice in lieu of that, and you'll do three quarters of an ounce of grape juice and add to it just a drop or two of vanilla extract, because that tends to be a little bit more bitter. People, I know it makes things taste delicious, but it has its own bitterness. And then you just mix that together and you have your own little magical landmark, not a Manhattan. I actually really like this mocktail a bunch. A sage. I'm super interested in trying that. I love using sage. Yeah, it's a a Manhattan is a a drink for drinkers. Mm-hmm. That's how I always think of it. <laughs> but it is always real a really fun challenge to find a way to make a drink for drinkers into a mocktail that will hopefully still have some of that that kind of profile, even though it's never going to be an exact duplicate. So. We hope if you try it, you think it's fun. I really like this mocktail a lot, actually. And I always say, I'm sure this is anathema to many people, but if you try a drink that's all spirit and you don't love it, you can always add club soda. Change it. Or a little ginger ale, a little... That's about as far as I would go. I wouldn't go too far afield on the sodas. (laughs) But those are two great options. Listen, I believe in doctoring up things you don't like until you like them. There you go. You should like it if you're going to drink it. Don't drink it just because you think you should. I feel strongly on this issue. I also feel strongly that I'm very grateful that we get to do this and spend this time with you. Next week, I think you're going to get our wrap-up of the season. And then we might reveal to you what's coming next. We hope you are with us here on Criminalia. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee Visit rightrug.com. That's R I T E R U G.com today to schedule a free in home estimate or to find a location near you. 24 month financing is available with approved credit. 
For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 